Hello friends, this is Stephen from Dream Gun, and we have shows on sale in Dublin and London right now. We are home in Dublin this June the 15th to the 17th with updated film reads of The Matrix, Jurassic Park and Titanic at Smock Alley Theatre. Featuring the award-winning ensemble of Tony Cantwell, Ronan Carey, Stephen Culver, that's me, Finbar Doyle, Hannah Manless, Aaron McGathy and Edwin Salmon. Uh, the show's at Smock Alley Theatre and tickets are on sale right now. Head to dreamgun.ie forward slash tickets. Meanwhile in London, we are now performing every month at 21 Soho with a different film read every month and different guests joining us on the stage. This month's London film is Batman Begins, but if you're in the future, it's probably a different film and you can find out which one at dreamgun.ie forward slash tickets. Hi, I'm James. I'm Gavin. And I'm Stephen. And we are Dream Gun. And you are listening to a classic episode of Dream Gun Film Reads. Where we take our favorite movies and then totally rewrite them and put a bunch of jokes and nonsense in them. And then the show is performed by actors and comedians who haven't read the script, so everything you hear is completely unrehearsed. If you enjoy Film Reads, please subscribe to the podcast in your podcast app and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you don't know what to say in your review, just use it to tell us what film you'd like us to read next. Because we're running out of ideas. <laughs> If you'd like to support the show, there's two ways to do it. You can subscribe to Film Reads on Patreon. Patreon subscribers get early access to episodes, bonus uncut recordings, and tickets to the live show. Or you can see us in person. If you'd like to see Film Reads live, you can check out dreamgun.ie for tickets to all of our upcoming shows or follow us. We are at Dreamgun and Sons on all the socials. We perform regularly in Dublin and London and at festivals all around the world. Please enjoy Dream Gun Film Reads. Dream Gun! Die Hard, by quite a lot of people, film is a collaborative effort. It's the 1980s, a simpler time before we knew that eating hairspray was bad for you, when the only dances you could choose from were dirty, safety, or flash. A time when the concept of men having to look after a baby was the height of comedy. They had just invented a car that could drive at night and talk and solve crimes. And Roger Rabbit had yet to be exonerated. On a plane high above California, John McClane, a meat-headed, meat-bodied New York cop who kind of looks like an older version of Joseph Gordon-Levitt. who talks like a baby's thoughts sound. <laughs> Since nervously gripping a presumably stuffed bear, a fellow passenger turns to him. You don't like to fly, do you? What gives you that idea? Well, you keep looking at the window and saying, whoa, mama, every two minutes. <laughs> hey, you want to know the secret to survive in air travel? First, don't open the emergency door and let all the bad air in. <laughs> Also, after you get where you're going, take off your shoes and socks, then walk around on the rug barefoot and make fists with your toes. Fists with your toes? I know, it sounds crazy. Trust me, I've been doing it for nine years. Yes, sir. It's hard to put on your shoes or walk up the stairs. But damn if it ain't better than a shower and a hot cup of coffee. I tell you, some people like Pepsi, others like Coke. Me, I'm a fist with your toes guy. <laughs> Medical buffs are quick to point out that toes only have one knuckle and can't be made into a fist. As John gets up, the salesman notices his police gun tucked into his citizen pants. It's okay, I'm a cop. I can carry all the guns and shampoo that I want. 
You want some? Anyway, trust me, I've been doing this for 11 years. So, you know, looking at my face, that's my entire life. <laughs> Meanwhile, slightly less high above California, in Nakatomi Plaza, a ritzy office Christmas party is in full swing. The kind where a guy puts a lampshade on his head and everyone brings it up for the whole next year. <laughs> Some secretaries photocopy their butts as a sort of early form of sexting. <laughs> Mr. Takagi, head honcho and man of industry, steps forth. It's me, Mr. Takagi. I want to congratulate each and every one of you for making this one of the greatest years in the history of the Nakatomi Corporation. In my home culture of Japan, where I'm from, we have a saying, Merry Christmas! Ellis, a sleazy 80 slime ball. He's a real go-getter, but what he went and got was a greasy suit and a tattoo that says bada-bing. <laughs> the kind of guy who says that money both talks and never sleeps, which only one of which is true. Hey, uh, Hall. Uh, he's the kind of guy whose hands are permanently shaped like pistols and whose business card says bada-bing beside some clip art of money. Hey, Hall. He's the kind of guy... <laughs> who reads books like uh, How to Be a Winner All the Time and says uh, power mantras as he stares dead-eyed at himself in his mirrored table. The kind of guy who congealed after they forgot to clear the gunk out of the Gordon Gecko chamber. Hey, Holly, bad at being. What about dinner tonight? Harry, it's Christmas Eve. Family, stockings, chestnuts, N64s. Any of these things ring a bell? Yeah, baby, ring-a-ding-ding. <laughs> Actually, I was, I was thinking more of a mulled wine, nice-aged brie in a roaring fireplace. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying a very particular thing here, Holly. Shwink. <laughs> Meanwhile, John McLean swaggers into Los Angeles arrivals. Very much a fish out of water, he's like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, except he's a white 80s cop and probably would have tried to arrest Will Smith. <laughs> He watches a woman in a Jane Fonda workout leotard welcome her boyfriend by jumping into his arms. California. If this was New York, she would have just shouted at him from his, uh, shouted about his mama from an eight-story window and asked him what the matter him is. A young tuxedoed man holds a cue card, a cue card with John McLean's name on it. John McLean. Hey, I'm John McLean's name. Ar Ar Argyle, I'm your, I'm your limo driver. Okay, Argyle, what do we do now? I was uh, hoping you could tell me it's my first time driving a limo. Is it me or is it just a bit longer than a regular car? <laughs> I noticed if I leave something on the back seat, I can't just reach around and get it anymore. I have to get up and, and walk all the way back there and then the car is out of control. It's, it's a whole thing. It takes a bit of getting used to. It's okay, it's my first time riding in one. <laughs> that's, that's significantly easier. <laughs> Relax, relax. We, we got everything in this mug, man. Look, look at this. CD, CB, TV, TB, Hep A and B. Measles, full bar, VHS. Nakatomi plasma screen, eight track. Disco ball machine. Wheels, the armchairs move up and down. Computer chest, the, the glove compartment is full of floppy disks, man. It's like as if Optimus Prime was a, was a boom box, man. I tell you, I could just sit in here for a whole running time and just keep listening to the same single Stevie Wonder song. Keep coming back to me and I'd be having a great time. 
Man, if, you, if, you're, if you're a teddy bear, so I'll just try it. I know a few mama bears we can all go, hope, hook up with. Or is, is, is he married? He's married. This is a clever writing device to give the audience a bit of much needed backstory for this bear. <laughs> you're a lady live out here? You always ask this many questions, Argyle. <laughs> Sorry, I used to drive a cab and people would expect a little chit chat and some light racism. <laughs> so, uh, are you divorced? You separated? She beat you up? Ha <laughs> ha! A woman beating up a man. What an unlikely state of affairs. The 1980s. She had a good job. It turned into a great career. And then turned into a car and drove her away. So, uh, why, why didn't you come? Well, why didn't you come with her? Because I'm a New York cop dealing with Krang and Shredder. I got a backlog of New York scumbos. And that I'm still trying to put behind bars. Most of them are on this side of the bars, and I'm trying to put them on that side of the bars. I can't just go that easy. I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll wait in the parking garage. You score, give me a call on the car phone. You strike out, I'll get you a hotel. You're all right, Argyle. Oh, the, the meter will still be running. <laughs> he steps into the grand lobby of Nakatomi Plaza and approaches the reception desk. I'm here to see Holly McLean. Uh, just type it in there. He gestures to a gigantic computer terminal. Cute toy. He types. Beep boop, scanning building for my wife. <laughs> no match found. Did you mean estranged wife? Yeah. <laughs> Lousy machine. <laughs> yeah, if you have to take a leak, it will even help you find your zipper. Holly Gennaro, heat signature located on the 30th floor. Would you like me to locate your zipper? 30th floor? The party. They're the only ones left in the building. So I could have really just told you where she was. <laughs> Take the express elevator. Get off where you hear the noise. It's like a bing and then the doors open. That's when you get out. <laughs> California. On the way up, John nods at the security cameras as they both work in crime prevention and have the same union. He arrives at the party, but he's clearly out of his element. His normal element is carbon. He passes a group standing around a violin man, nodding like they're with what the violin, like he agrees with what the violin is saying. Uh, a businessman who's had too many tiny shrimps stumbles past up to him. Hey, Merry Christmas. He kisses him on the cheek. Jesus fucking California. <laughs> Also France, and apparently it's also a very common greeting in Israel. Uh, excuse me, I'm looking for- Holly Gennaro, then you must be John McLean. I'm Mr. Takagi. Quite a place you have here. Uh, it will be if we ever get it finished. Still several floors under construction. Some of the stairs just go half, halfway up and just end. Other bits are just oil drums and hanging chains and vents. <laughs> to fax some documents. It's a normal thing. It's like telephoning a book. <laughs> she should be back any minute. They enter Holly's office to find Ellis, who seems to be uh, sneezing in reverse onto Holly's desk. <laughs> uh, I, I was just making a call. Bada bing, bada room. <laughs> Ellis, I want you to meet John McLean, Holly's husband. Holly's policeman husband. Ellis is the head of uh, Confident Handshakes. <laughs> Heard a lot about you. You like Hugh Lewis in the news? You throw quite a party. I didn't realize, that, realize they celebrate Christmas in Japan. Oh, we do celebrate Christmas, but it's called the Nintendo Entertainment System. <laughs> Apparently the Super Christmas is coming out next year. Alice laughs too much at this, and a cloud of white powder comes out of his nose and 
floats awkwardly in the air for a moment before drifting out of the door. It's sort of a double celebration, right? We, we closed a pretty big deal today, and a lot of it was due to Holly, right, Jojo? Holly enters. John! She's really enamored by the sight of him. After all, he's a red-blooded man. Like most men, it's, it's what distinguishes, distinguishes us from the crustaceans or mollusks, as their blood is blue. Have you met everyone? We've been sticking him with spears. <laughs> I'm joking, of course. We were talking. <laughs> was made for business. She's tough as nails. Whatever it is we do here, she's the best at it. I was hoping you made that flight. Show him the watch. Later. Show him. Are you embarrassed? It's just a small token of appreciation for all our hard work. It's a Rolex. Now come on, don't be shy, Holly. Show him. Don't be embarrassed. Just because it's got a picture of a butt on it instead of numbers. (laughs) And hey, yeah, okay, it doesn't have an hour hand, but... Come on, you can usually just guess that by where the sun is. Is there a place I could wash up? Holly takes John to her private bathroom, where there is a selection of aftershaves and a silent man who sprays perfumes on you, and one of those robotic Japanese toilets that gives you life advice. You have to forgive Alice. He gets very depressed this time of year. He thought he was God's greatest gift, you know? Then he found out that God's greatest gift is a mother's love. (laughs) And thunderbolts. Where are you staying? I, I have a spare bedroom. It's not huge or anything, but the kids would love the kids. <laughs> <laughs> Remember how we used to call them the kids? <laughs> um, they would love to have you at the house. They would, huh? Pansies. <laughs> I would too. I, I, I missed you. Didn't miss my name, though. Huh? Since when did you start using Miss Gennaro? Look, this is a Japanese company, and in Japan, married women are seen as a sort of boogeyman who lives in a well. You are a married woman. This conversation again? We did this in July. We never finished this conversation. You were mid-sentence. You said I was a real sack of, and then you walked out. I know you're probably going to say sack of excellent husband, and I just wanted to make sure. I had an opportunity. I had to take it. This job comes with perks, John. You saw my butt watch? <laughs> look, look at this toilet, John. Just look at it. Listen to your wife, Johnu. <laughs> look at me. General, I, uh, oh, Her secretary me. barges in. Hi. <laughs> uh, Mr. Takaki is, uh, is looking for you. He wants you to say something to the troops. He wants you to do your, you know, Bob Hope set, you know? <laughs> Where do you do that? Every man shtick and have the golf club and talk about how it's bad for you when your ball lands in the sandy part. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Speech time. I'll be back in a few minutes. She leaves. That was great, John. Good job. Very mature. Jonu, if you try too hard to hold on to something, it will only run away. Hey, give me a break, toilet. (laughs) Meanwhile, on the ground floor, two men enter having a cash... Casual? uh, Sports talk. So the basketball men are all running around the court throwing the orange ball back and forth. You should have seen this sports match. Before you know it, it's a home run touchdown for the big team. Then they shoot a security guard in the face. Boom, two points. We killed him. We're in. Theo knocks over the body of the security guard and opens the door, letting the rest of the crew enter. Who are these fashionable Euro thugs? Roll call. There's Theo, the hacker of the group. If it's got a plug, I can hack it. 
And then there's Carl. He's the one you love to hate, and he's got a notably muscular neck. Mess with me, there'll be trouble. Next comes Tony, Carl's brother, but don't let that fool you. He's quite a handful. There will be no mercy. After him comes Eddie, the real Samantha of the group. He's a real heartbreaker, so lock up your daughters. Can I buy you a drink? And the rest. They look like if Duran Duran bought a bunch of submachine guns and did an Erasmus in Frankfurt. Then, in walks Hans Gruber. He's a modern, sophisticated villain. The kind of guy who knows more than two types of wine. He looks like a wealthy uncle, uncle you try and maintain a good relationship with in case you need to borrow money. Yeah. I... am. Meanwhile, John has taken the plain man's advice and has taken his shoes off. It works! He survived air travel. Son of a bitch, fist with your toes. Hans's goons enter the party and begin firing their guns and scaring the guests. Carl... <laughs> Carl chases the guests into the lobby. Our hero tough guy, John McLean, manages to scurry into the stairwell. Hans steps up and addresses the screaming crowd. Ladies and gentlemen... The crowd quietens. No one begins chanting, speech, speech. <laughs> Due to the Nakatomi Corporation's legacy of greed around the globe, they're about to be taught a lesson in the real use of power. You will be witnesses. Now, where is Tagaki? Joseph Yoshinobu Tagaki, born Kyoto in 1937. Holly grips Takagi's arm to prevent him from giving in to his compulsion of identifying himself when people say his name. Don't move. Fell into a lake as a young boy and worked in a bathhouse for a summer, made friends with a dragon. In 1942, he lived next door to a big blue creature, rode around in a cat bus. Uh, a year later, he bought a castle in the sky, called it Tagaki's Castle. Craig Charles seemed to really enjoy that. Moved his castle to San Pedro, California, to feed on nuclear energy. Fought with King Kong in 1953. Law degree, Stanford, 1962. Fought with Mechagodzilla in 1968. Law degree, Harvard, 1970. Enough! And father of five. I'm Takagi. Just please don't tell them about my wife. Stop talking. I'm not married to a dog, ladies and gentlemen. I mean... Where would I, I'd have to sail out to international waters, and I mean, who would ever have the time to do such a thing as that? How do you do? It's a pleasure to meet you. Nice suit. John Phillips, London. Takagi is shocked the bad man knows the name of his suit. I have two myself. 
Is this about our project in Indonesia? Contrary to what people may think, we're going to develop that region, not exploit it. We're going to develop a big old drill to drill into it. I believe you. I read the article in Forbes. Takagi is shocked. The bad man knows the name of a magazine. Mr. Takagi, I could talk about the names of magazines all day. Wired, Vogue, The Beano. But I'm afraid I must work intrude and I need your code because I am interested in the 640 million innegotiable bearer bonds that you have locked in your vault. You want money? What kind of terrorists are you? Who said we were terrorists? Every summary of this film ever written and the credits. There are, there are seven safeguards to a vault and the key codes are only one of them. You'll never get it open. That's a very nice suit, Mr. Tagaki. It would be a shame to ruin it. I'm going to count to three. <laughs> there will not be a four. Because I'm counting to three. All right, give me the code. One, two, three. I don't know it. Get on a jet to Tokyo and ask the chairman, because you're just going to have to kill me. Okay. Hans checks LA to Tokyo on Skyscanner, but it's real expensive, so he shoots him. Well, we do it the hard way. Tony, see if you can dispose of that. Now, Theo, you can break the code. I mean, I probably should have asked you this before I shot Tagaki. You didn't bring me for my charming personality. Hey, buddy, buddy, don't put yourself... <laughs> Meanwhile, with the phone lines cut, John attempts to telepathically contact Argyle. <sighs> Argyle, tell me you heard the shots. You're calling the police right now. Unfortunately, the car park is lined with lead and... Argyle is making phone calls and listening to loud music and just generally being a fun-loving guy. Of course I'm still coming by later. Sweetheart, have I ever lied to you? What? what my boss, he thinks I'm on my way to Vegas. I, I lied to him, so I'm probably going to have to roll forward the speedometer and pour lots of petrol down the drains. Back on the 38th floor, Hans and Theo approach a really big safe. It's one of those really fancy safes that doesn't have a door handle you can jimmy or a, a window you can smash a brick with. Uh, so it's virtually impenetrable. <laughs> Two hours to crack the first six locks. The seventh lock, however, is out of my hands. Trust me. Elsewhere, probably in the same building. Why the fuck didn't you stop him, John? Because then you'd be dead too, asshole. It's a really good point. Thanks for looking out for me. See you later, John. <laughs> think, goddamn think. If I was a building, how would I call for help? McLean sees a fire alarm. I don't know, John. The fire alarm's for emergencies. <laughs> Okay, do the responsible thing and start a fire first. Eddie, Hans' security guard at the front desk, notices the fire alarm has gone off. Holy smokes, we got a fire alarm. Call 911, give them the guard's name and cancel the alarm, then disable the system. Disabling the fire alarm? I, I don't know, boss, they're there for a reason. <laughs> On what floor did the alarm go off? McLean watches sirens approaching from afar. Hello, baby. Come to Papa. Come on, baby. Just a little closer. Just another few miles. Come to Papa. Come to Daddy. Come to your father. Big Papa John. <laughs> Wait. Where are you going? Don't turn around. That's the wrong way. The elevator bell dings and out pops Tony, Carl's beloved brother. <coughs> McLean is really in his fifth element here, as he has a sixth sense for bad guys. <laughs> And he hides just in time. What a lucky number, Slevin. Tony checks everywhere, the whole nine yards, but 
finds nothing, so he checks out the ten yards just to be sure. By this stage, John's really made 12 monkeys out of him. <laughs> 16 blocks. called off, my friend. No one is coming to help you. You might as well come out and join the others. I promise I won't hurt you. I only use this rifle for hunting and protecting my family. <laughs> You're perfectly safe. Drop it, dickhead. It's the police. You won't hurt me. Yeah, why not? Because you're a policeman. There are rules for policemen. Yeah, that's what my captain in the ACLU keeps telling me. <laughs> McLean hits Tony in the back of the head with his gun, which isn't really using the gun to its full potential. <laughs> it descends into a fist fight, and McLean punches Tony, and he dies. <laughs> fist with your hands, how about that? <laughs> All right, I'm going to take your gun since you're dead. What else you got on you? Some C4, a lighter, 20 meters of rope, some health potions, 15 gold, the staff of Argonon, and Van Halen tickets. Uh, what about your shoes? Huh, nine million terrorists in the world, and I got to find... I got to kill one with feet smaller than my sister. Well, of course they're smaller, because these are feet, and then his sister's a whole person, including feet. <laughs> Fucking idiot. Back on the party floor... Hans is eating some cake. Mmm, very good. <laughs> I wanted this to be professional, efficient, adult, cooperative, like a German orgy. <laughs> it's not a lot to ask. Alas, Mr. Tagaki did not see it that way, so he won't be joining us for the rest of his life. He, he said he was really, really busy. So you can walk out of here or be cowered out, but have no illusions. We are in charge. We decide what to do. And each of you, please remember, we have left nothing to chance. If you do what we say, this will be the most mundane, run-of-the-mill hostage situation you could ever be in. No surprises. It's going to be really, really smooth, just as long as no unforeseen meddling takes place whatsoever. Ding! The elevator door opens, revealing the dead body of Tony dressed in a Santa hat, which is really upsetting for the hostages that still believe in Santa. <laughs> who starts screaming dramatically. I mean, I've only just calmed them down. Hans reads what McLean has scrawled in blood on Tony's jumper. Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. Ralph Lauren. <laughs> Tell Carl his brother's dead. Tell him to come down. Oh, God. He and Tony just signed up to do a charity doubles tournament. Uh, Carl, buddy, could you come down here a minute? Carl storms in to see the body of his dead brother. He dramatically smashes his shatterproof tennis racket. I want blood! <laughs> okay, okay, okay. After we call the police, you can tear the building apart looking for this man, but until then, do not alter the plan. And if he alters it... Carl, what did I say about dramatically asking me hypotheticals? Just... <laughs> Meanwhile, McLean is on the roof trying to contact the police on Tony's walkie-talkie. Mayday, mayday. Terrorists have seized the Nakatomi building and are holding at least 30 people hostage. But it's hard to really say because like a hundred clicked attending, so you know... <laughs> Where's the best place to transmit? A, a, a satellite. Tony, go to the moon. No, wait, wait. The roof. The roof. Go, go stop him before he tells him everything embarrassing about us. Also, one of the terrorists has uh, feet smaller than my sister. Shit. 
McLean's ranting is picked up by a whole station of unimpressed lady police. Attention whoever you are, this channel is reserved for emergency calls only. No fucking shit lady, do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? When I'm ordering a pizza, I'm all like, hey, I'd like an Italian crust. And then I continue with the rest of my order, you know, pepperoni, mixed peppers. Look, they've already killed one hostage, they're fortifying their positions while you're jerking me off on the radio. Sir, I've already told you I'm not jerking you off on the radio. I'm gonna have to report you. Fine, report me. Come the fuck down here and arrest me. Call me out on Twitter for the whole jerking me off thing. I don't care. Just send the police now. McLean is nearly shot to pieces as Carl and his gang has snuck up on our hero. Uh, sir, please stop making gunshot noises. All right. They're very loud and realistic. See if a black and white can drive by. That's slang for a cop car. They call Sergeant Al Powell. He's just solved the case of the missing Twinkie and who bought it, and it was him. Man, ever since I started putting cheese on my Twinkies, my chest pains have been getting worse and worse. Dispatch to 8 Lincoln, investigator code 2 at Nakatomi Plaza. Code 2? That's a New Yorker jerking off on a roof. I'm on my way. With Senator John McLean. Think, McLean, think. Gotta hide quick. Okay, where's the last place they'd look? The elevator shaft, you genius! He's in the elevator shaft. He's so obviously in the elevator shaft. Per perfect. The elevators are locked off. He can't escape. He can only go up and down, not left and right. Just. <laughs> Just shut him in and come back down, Carl. But I really, really want to kill him. Carl, Carl, relax your thick neck, okay? Just... <laughs> the police are probably on their way, Carl. Christ, look, I can stall them. I can be like, no, officer, it must have been a false alarm. But not if they hear gunshots. They'll be like, what was that? And I'll be like, oh, oh cough, cough. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm very sick. And then they begin to walk away. But then you fired McLean again, and they'll all be like, now we definitely heard something that time. And I'll be like, uh, uh, popcorn. I'm, I'm making popcorn. And... And they'll be like, well, all right, you take care. And I'll be like, Merry Christmas, officers. And then I'll wait for them to go. And then I'll be like, phew, that was a close one. So just lock him in and leave him be. Meanwhile, McLean has greased himself up and snuck into the air vents. So now the air is all greasy. Come out to the coast. We'll get together, have a few laughs. They didn't tell me there'd be this whole surprising siege business. Now I know what a TV dinner feels like. You know, like peas and... Like mushy potato. Ooh, pork chop. Carl shoots lots of holes at the air vent. Now satisfied he's avenged his brother, he goes off to grieve. McLean hears a cop car approaching the building. No signs of disturbance. Dispatch. Roger, possible crank call. I do see a guard inside. I'm going to go in for a closer look. Who's driving this car? Stevie Wonder? This film came out before Stevie Wonder lost his eyesight. And... <laughs> At that time, he was known as a very good driver. Uh, Powell approaches Eddie, pretending to be a security guard. Eddie did a level one improv class, but he's still a little nervous. Evening, officer. Welcome to the Nakatomi Plaza. We've never met before. Is there something going on here I should know about? Yes, and nothing is going on. Meanwhile, McLean has been banging on the window upstairs, making a real ruckus. A terrorist comes in to give him a hard time, but instead it's McLean who gives them a hard time by shooting him in the knees and face. <laughs> Powell gets back in the car. 
Oh, for the love of... No, don't leave. Think, John. How do I get his attention? I need something too heavy to throw at the window. Oh, I wish I could ask this weighty German I killed. <laughs> That's a wild goose chase over here at Nakatomi Plaza. Everything's here okay. Everything here is okay. Over. Oh, no, wait. Hold on. A dead body just landed on my car. Yeah, this, this definitely doesn't add up. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the party, pal. Let's take a break from the noisy Nakatomi Plaza to meet Richard Thornburg, a Weasley unscrupulous journalist. He's like Nightcrawler, but instead of teleporting into the White House, he's an asshole. Monica, I can get us a table! Wolfgang and I are very close friends. I interviewed him, for God's sake. What? What do you mean Mozart's been dead for 200 years? Who the hell was I talking to? His police scanner crackles to life with Powell's plea for help. Officer needs assistance. I'm at Nakatomi Plaza. They're turning my car into Swiss cheese. Man, I, I gotta go. There's a cop who's driving some sort of cheese car. This could be my chance at a Pulitzer. Police sirens approach Nakatomi Plaza, attached to police cars. All of you relax. This is a matter of inconvenient timing, that's all. Police action was inevitable, and as it happens, necessary. I, I planned for Marco to be thrown out of the building. Uh, <laughs> so let them fumble about outside and stay calm. This is simply the beginning. Hello, I'm talking. I told you I wanted radio silence until... I'm very sorry, Hans. I didn't get that message. That's very kind of you. I assume you are a mysterious party crasher. You are most troublesome for a security guard. Uh, sorry, Hans. Wrong guess. Would you like to go for double jeopardy where the scores can really change? Oh, hold on. Should we go for double jeopardy? We... Okay, wait a, wait a minute. Who are you? Just a fly in the ointment, Hans. The monkey in the wrench. The pain in the ass. The plaster in the swimming pool. A hedgehog at an orgy. I could do this all day, Hans. Now, you listen to me. A stroke I... of bad luck. A regular stroke. An ape at a funeral. Okay, see see if he's lying about Marco and find out if anyone else is missing. Uh, Mr. Mystery Guest, are a you still there? A dick in the pie. Some shit on your elbow. Yeah, I'm still here. Unless you want to open the front door for me, I'll go right on home to bed. No, but I'm afraid not. And you must... You, well, you have me at a loss. You know my name, but... Who are you? Just another American who saw too many movies as a child? Like another orphan at a bankrupt culture who thinks he's John Wayne, Rambo, Robocop, Vin Diesel is triple X, a boy wizard? <laughs> Harry Potter. <laughs> I was always partial to Roy Rogers, actually. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? <laughs> Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Yippee, yippee. Somebody look that up. Everyone seems to be getting something I'm not getting here. Yippee? What was it? What does that even mean? Meanwhile, Thornburg is assembling a news crew. This is my story. I'm going out there. Look, Sam, you don't give me a truck, I'll steal a truck. Then I'll be my own network and I'll write my own news. Uh, Girl found, uh, also celebrities. Back at the plaza. <laughs> he wasn't lying about Marco. <laughs> He's down on the street. Silly, silly Marco, what's he doing down there? He died. Oh, damn. Uh, Theo, how's our schedule? Three down, four to go. Well, don't waste time talking to me. You rang me. <laughs> Down on street level. 
This is Sergeant Al Powell of the Los Angeles Police Department. If the person who radioed for help can hear me on this channel, acknowledge this transmission. I don't want you giving away your position, so just bark once for yes and don't bark for no. I read you, pal. You the guy in the car? What's left of them all. Can you identify yourself? Not now. Maybe later. Listen for John McClane. There's 30 or so hostages on the 30th floor. Wait, so are there like 20 people on the 20th floor? No, it's just a coincidence that the floors are the same number as the people. You're focusing on the wrong part. The leader's name is Hans. He sounds like he has a dumb, stupid beard. We have to find him and shut him up. He's telling them everything. Let him. I'm waiting for the FBI. He can waste as much time as he likes judging us. I mean, he's, he's not getting to me. You, you like my beard, right? I mean... <laughs> I think it frames my face. We must get the detonators. They have a freaking arsenal here. They got missiles, automatic weapons, socks with billiard balls in them, a dog with a knife taped to his tail so when he gets excited, it just wags all over the place. And some plastic explosives. These guys are mostly European, judging by their clothing labels, cigarettes, and healthcare. How'd you know that? I've seen enough phony IDs in my time to recognize the ones they got must have cost a fortune. They've clearly been underage while robbing banks, which is two crimes. I hear you, partner. Ellie's finest are on it. The Lakers are on the way? Thank God. They'll slam dunk this case. So what do I call you? Call me... Call me Roy. Roy McLean. Well, listen up, Roy. My friends call me John. You can think of anything else, anything specific, like precisely how many bullets they have or a list of their fears. Don't be shy, okay? In the meantime, find a safe place and we'll do our job. Just then, Deputy Police Chief Dwayne T. Robinson arrives on the scene. A man so unlikable the film wouldn't even make him the chief of police. Like he's so lame he was functionally demoted. Fictionally demoted. When he's not giving his cops a hard time, he's out hassling breakfast clubs. Who's talking to him? How many bullets do they have? Do we got a list of their fears? Uh, hello, people! Am I talking to myself here? No, I'm talking to them, sir. Sergeant Powell, Al Powell. Dwayne T. Robinson. The T stands for Time's Up, Bad Guys. Dwayne T. Robinson is on the case, so watch out! Uh, what's the deal? We don't know. We don't know what the deal is. He won't give us his name, but he appears to be—he appears to be the one who phoned. He's killed one terrorist for sure, and claims he's capped off two of the others. He also claims he has a girlfriend in Canada and can do a hundred push-ups. He claims. Claims? What is he? My insurance company? Pulling your chain or some nutcase in there? Heck, he could have been some punk making prank calls like that kid who rings my house asking for Mr. Coxmall. <laughs> Mike Oxmall. <laughs> I mean, what he asked for Mr. Coxmall, I know it's a prank, but. <laughs> no, I don't think so. In fact, I think he might be a cop. Maybe not LAPD, but he's definitely a badge. Maybe he's just a big badge with arms and legs just walking about. Gee, wouldn't that be something, Sarge? How do you know 
Where's the cop? I have a hunch, just things he said, like being able to spot a phony ID or that his car is a police car. I mean, just like the ones we drive. Jesus Christ, Powell, phony IDs? He could be a fucking bartender for all we know. Serving drinks, mixing drinks. You've all seen Cocktail. <laughs> oh, great, the TV crew is here. Richard Thornburg, sentient penis, stands in front of a news camera giving a report. Tonight, Los Angeles has joined the sad fraternity of cities whose only membership requirement is to suffer the anguish of international terrorism, get naked, then paddle and chug a whole thing of beer. <laughs> Approximately two hours ago, an unidentified group of men and no women <laughs> seized control of Nakatomi Plaza, sealing off all entrances and exits, which has made it very difficult to go in or out. What these door closers want remains a mystery. Meanwhile, a bunch of SWAT guys gear up outside the Nakatomi Tower. What's going on? What's it look like? Looks like a big building. Good. Well, we're going in. Going in? Man, that's crazy. There could be anything behind those doors. It could be a car. It could be a city break to Bristol with a hundred pounds spending money. It could be two goats. We don't know shit, Powell. If there's terrorists there, well, where they're... they're... Well... Where's the list of demands? If there's a party going on in there, well, well then why wasn't I invited? All we know is that somebody shot your car up. It's probably the same silly bartender you've been talking to on the radio. He's been mixing drinks all night. Excuse me, sir, but what about the body that fell out the window? Well, who knows? Probably some stockbroker that got depressed, shot himself in the knees and face, and then got his friend, the bartender, to throw him out the window. The police light up the building, a bunch of spotlights getting John's attention. They're like blank bat signals. Pal, you still with me, babe? What's going on, my baby? I'll talk to you later. If you are what I think you are, you'll know when to listen, shut up, and when to pray. You're a priest, right? Jesus Christ, you're coming in. That's it, isn't it? I told you what kind of people you're dealing with here. Germans. <laughs> They'll be coming, everyone get ready. Theo, you are the eyes now. Carl, you're the nose. I'll be the, what's the bit uh, called in the mid, this, this, no, the septum. No, that's not it. The, the bri bridge of the nose? No. Theo watches the approaching SWAT members on the security cameras. Listen up, guys. Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring except the four assholes coming in the rear in standard two-by-two two cover formation. The, s the stockings were hung by the chimney with care. They're now attempting to open the rear doors with an oxy-fuel torch. The children were nestled... Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's good, that's very good. Quite enough. Machine gun fire erupts from one of the upper floors. They're shooting at him! It's panic fire. They can't see anything. They're shooting at the lights! No, they're not. That's probably just the bartender clinking glasses, and besides, this is probably all a dream, and we're all asleep in our beds. They shoot the blank bat signals. They're going after the lights. Get them back. We're sitting ducks without the lights. With the lights, they're visible ducks. Send in the car. A big, evil police tank approaches the building. It looks like Sid from Toy Story got his hands on a Tonka trunk. The terrorists assemble a rocket launcher. It's one of the build-it-yourself ones, so it's cheaper and you need an Allen key. And they fire it at the tank, setting it on fire. And the quarterback is toast. 
And now let me switch back over to the surveillance. Oh, they blew up the car. <laughs> All right, you motherfucker, you made your point. Let them pull back. Let them drive home just a bit on fire. Um, no. Fire again. They do, blowing it to pieces. John, frustrated as all heck, gets the C4 and wraps it around an office chair. Happy bombs, hands! He drops it down the elevator shaft, exploding the terrace below and a huge chunk of the building. Oh, shit! The cops have really upped their games! You idiots! You idiot, it's not, it's not the police, it's him, Mr. Cowboy, Professor Lasso, Captain Chaps, the guy, you know, the guy who's been running around the building, you know, the guy. <laughs> Meanwhile, Thornburg gives a report. With an update, sources say the terrorist leader Hans may be this man. Hans. A member of the radical West German Volksfree movement. Here's a photo of him in the 60s wearing a beret. We found his Facebook, but he hasn't accepted our friend request. Hey, phone guy, what was that? Remember that plastic explosive I told you about? Yeah, but what does it have to do with the explosion that you... Oh, wait, no, I just got it. Nice. Chief Robinson trundle fucks his way over to Powell. Is that him? Is that the bartender? Yes, sir. Give me that talkie. Thanks. Uh, I, I don't know what kind of bartender you think you are, but you just destroyed a building. We don't want your help. This is Deputy Chief of Police Dwayne The Rock T. Robinson. And I'm in charge of this situation. Oh, you're in charge. I got some bad news for you, Dwayne. From up here, it doesn't look like you're in charge of shit. In fact, it looks like you're really tiny. Listen to me, you asshole. Asshole? I'm not the one who just got butt-fucked on national TV, Dwayne. Uh, to get this joke, you have to remember that in the 80s, getting butt-fucked on national TV was considered a bad thing. <laughs> Ellis stands up and swaggers over to the terrorists in an attempt to be an 80s business hero. What do you do? <laughs> Yuppie Kaye, here goes nothing. <laughs> I'm sick of waiting here, uh, sitting here waiting to see who gets killed first, them or your husband. Uh, we, without him, we still have a chance to get out of here. Tell that to Kakak. <laughs> Tell that to Kakak. <laughs> I can't. Han said he went to live on that farm, remember? <laughs> anyway, I, uh. I negotiate million dollar big deals for breakfast. I buy my Lucky Charms and found a burn. I think I can handle this Euro trash. Meanwhile, Hans and Carl discuss terroristy things. If you'd listen to me, he would be neutralized already. I don't want neutral, I want dead. I want to crush him with my extremely muscular neck. Hey, uh, sprickensy talk, huh? Yes, we speak talk. Uh... What do you want? It's not what I want, it's, uh, it's what I can give to you. Look, look, let's be straight, okay? It's obvious you're not some dumb schmuck up here to snatch a few purses. We forgot that purses, Carl, get them back. <laughs> I watch 60 Minutes. I say to myself, that Charlie Rose seems like a nice guy. I, I say to myself, these guys are professional, they're motivated, they're happening. They want something, I'm gonna go up and Two of them, I'm gonna make a deal. I'm gonna be a real winner. Do you, do, do you have any cocaine? Now, <laughs> personally, I couldn't care less about your politics. I, I figure you're here to negotiate, am I right? You're amazing. You figured that out all already. <laughs> hey, business is business. Hans, I like the cut of your jizz. <laughs> <laughs> you 
high as a fountain pen. What's the difference? There's a big difference. It was a trick question. <laughs> you grab us for some green, but you didn't expect some poison pill to be running around the building. Am I right? Hans, booby. I'm your white knight. I'm moving an L. I can move up three spaces and one across, or hey, maybe one space up and three across. I'm flexible. What the fuck are you saying? The guy upstairs is fucking things up, huh? Making it rain too much? Ed Harris and a beret? I can give him to you. Well, do you have him on you? No. Back on the cop chat radio hour, they are running out of small talk. Yeah, how many kids you got, Al? Well, as, a ma- as a matter of fact, my wife is working on our first, so none. Yeah. T- touching, Cowboy, touching. Or should I call you Mr. McLean, Mr. Officer Professor John McLean of the New York Police Department, PD, New York? Uh, wrong. Oh, wait, no, that was, yeah, that was the right one. I have someone who wants to talk to you, a very special friend who is with you at the party tonight. Hey, John boy. Alice, my special friend? <laughs> what did you tell him? Yeah, listen, John, I, I know you think you're doing your job, and I can appreciate that, but uh, you're, just, you're just dragging this thing out, capiche? I, I, I told him we were old friends, and you were my guest at the party. I, I also gave him my home address and the key to my locker at the swimming pool. Alice, you shouldn't be doing this. Tell me about it. My PIN number is 5251. <laughs> I'm just a mediator, John. All right, John, listen. They, they want you to tell them where the detonators are, or they'll, they'll kill me. <laughs> I'm putting my life on the line for you, pal. Shut up, Alice. Just shut your mouth. Hans, this shithead doesn't know what kind of man you are, but I do. The bad kind. Good. Then you'll give us what we want and save your friend's life. Hey, hey, what am I, a method actor? Hey, put away the gun. This is radio, not some stupid live show. <laughs> Hans, this asshole is not my friend. I just met him tonight. Jesus Christ, Alice, these people will kill you. Tell them you don't know me. How can you say that after all these years, John? Jambo, Jimmy... Come on. Remember I used to call you the McLean train and ride around on your back? It's me, Alice. I remember we used to register immigrants together on my island. We go way back. Remember that Christmas party with those silly German guys? They were so stupid. What a bunch of clowns, huh? Hans shoots Alice in his big mouth. The hostages begin to scream. Do you hear that? That's not the good screaming like on a roller coaster or a studio audience with Ellen. No. Now, where are my detonators? Where are they? Where are they? Or I shall shoot another one. Sooner or later, I might get to someone you do care about. Bruce Springsteen. Attention, police. This is Deputy Chief Dwayne Stonecall Robinson. Who is this? This is Hans Gruber. You have, we have no wish for further loss of life. What is it you do wish for? The following people are to be released from their captors. In Northern Ireland, the seven members of the new Provo Front. In Canada, the five imprisoned leaders of Liberté de Quebec. The prisoner of Azkaban, Magneto. The casts of Porridge, Orange is the New Black. The Shawshank Redemption. The Matrix, if you think about it, because it's like, it's kind of like a sort of mind prison. And Chicken Run. Chicken run? I read about them in Time magazine. (laughs) When these revolutionary brothers and sisters and chickens are free, 
The hostages in this building will be taken to the roof and they will accompany us in a white Ford Bronco to the Los Angeles International Airport where they will be given further instructions. You have two hours to comply. Wait a minute, this is crazy. I, I don't have that authority. Two hours is not enough. We gotta make some calls, get our man on the phone. I've gotten through all the locks except the final one. That one is gonna take a miracle. It's Christmas, Theo. It's a time of miracles. Also, I've like planned the whole thing. Hey, Powell. You right there? I'm here, John. I'm here. You gotta believe me. There was nothing I could do. I mean, I could have given him the detonators, but let's be honest. I'd have to go all the way downstairs and the elevator's working. My feet are really sore. Back outside Nakatomi Tower, Robinson is frantically calling 80s terrorist leaders around the world. Uh, sir. Not now, Al. The leader of the 1988 Provisional IRA is on the line. At least I think he's the leader. He's being oddly reluctant to confirm or deny that he is. Sir, the FBI is here. I'm Agent Johnson. This is Special Agent Johnson. No relation. I'm Dwayne Gretzky T. Robinson. LAPD, I'm in charge here. Not anymore. Instead of sending Robinson home, Johnson and Johnson keep him around as a paid unpaid as a paid unpaid intern to just like design evites and manage their social media. <laughs> the best we can figure it, we, we've got either uh, seven or so terrorists up there just shooting people and taking hostages, or much more likely just, just one bartender. Just mixing drinks and spilling drinks. Sounds like an A7 scenario. A7, terrorist in the Nakatomi Plaza. Thank you. We'll handle it from here. Poorly. <laughs> On top of the tower, Hans is braiding colored wire, probably into some sort of explosive friendship bracelet. He finishes his obscure shifty business and looks up to see the barrel of McLean's machine gun pointed directly at him, attached to the rest of the machine gun. <laughs> Hi there, how you doing? Oh God, please, God, no, you're, you're one of them, aren't you? Oh jeez, you're one of them, no, don't kill me, please. Whoa, <laughs> Whoa relax, you're supposed to be American? Uh, yes sir, yeah. I've been, uh, I, 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 I've been, I've been uh, rooting and tooting all day long. <laughs> I just uh, managed to get up there and I was just uh, trying to get up on the roof, you see, and I could signal for help, you know, just up here trace, chasing the American dream, you know, or as we call it, the dream. Uh, oh, well, you, you don't work for Nakatomi and you're not one of them. Listen, I'm a schlubby, balding cop from New York, got invited to the Christmas party by mistake. I mean, no, it, it was on purpose, but I mean, who knew? Better, better than be caught with your pants down, huh? I'm John McLean. You're, uh... Uh, uh, Wilson. Hans cleverly reads a full list of Nakatomi Tower's employees that's hanging on the wall behind John. He spots the name T. Wilson. Wilson, uh, uh... Trango Wilson. <laughs> know how to use a handgun, Trango? Uh, uh, uh sure do, yeah. I, I fought for this great country in NAMS. <laughs> hey, me too. Which unit? Uh... The gun unit? <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Which one? Uh, uh, bullet patrol? <laughs> All right, checks out, come on. 
McLean places a gun in Hans Gruber's grubby hands. He immediately points the gun at McLean and he switches from his American accent to his English person doing a German accent. accent. Does this give me the detonators? <laughs> well, well, well. Hands. I'm going to count to three. Will there be a four? <laughs> no. Hans pulls the trigger and instead of a big loud noise and a bullet coming out, it, that doesn't happen. Oops, no bullets. What, do you think I'm fucking stupid, Trango? Trango is a made-up silly name. Carl, now, Carl, save me now, Carl. Save, save me, Carl. Carl, who has been slowly approaching, dressed as a cactus, springs up and opens fire on John. John dives into a glass office cubicle. Shoot the glass. Hans and Carl fight into the, yeah, fire into the glass, which shatters and gives McLean little cuts on his shoulders and face. Jesus Christ! Hans and Carl find McLean has fled, leaving only bloody footprints that lead in a very particular direction. There is no way of knowing where he went. He sees the sack of, det- of detonators McLean has left behind. Oh, score. Smile, Carl. We're back in business. Time to reopen our stall at the Christmas market. I'll start mulling the wine. Hans and Carl return to Holly's office. Furious, Carl punches a drinks trolley. He looks really pissed. He's still alive. Only John can drive someone to beat up a drinks trolley. (laughs) Upstairs in a bathroom, John McLean is covering his tiny glass cuts with little bits of tissue. Hey, Powell, you got flat feet? What the hell are you talking about, man? Something had to get you off the street. What's the matter? I had an accident. The way you drive, I can see why. What do you do? Something silly? I shot a kid. He was 13 years old. Oh, it was dark. I couldn't see him. He had a ray gun. Looked real enough. Looked just like a real ray gun. I didn't want to get zapped, John. When you're a rookie, they teach you everything about being a cop, except how to not shoot a kid. After that, I just couldn't bring myself to draw my gun on anybody ever again. Yep, that's the worst thing about that story. (laughs) The 1980s. Sorry, man. Hey, man, how could you know? We covered it up. A few floors down, Theo and Hans watch the FBI goon about. The circuits that cannot be cut are cut automatically in response to a terrorist incident. You ask for miracles, Theo. I give you the (laughs) F-B-I. They're just trying to do their job like everyone else, Theo. Inside at the vault, it goes ka-chunk. Hooray! Crime! (laughs) The door opens, revealing a host of treasures. Printed, frequent flyer miles, that big A4 money they have in vaults. Richie's riches, the blank check from blank check. (laughs) Tulips in the past, one bitcoin, a pyramid of Ferrero Rocher. That Wu-Tang album. A Manhattan parking space. Merry Christmas. Outside, bumbling duo Johnson and Johnson are resting on their laurels and leaning on their hardies. Good work with the cutting their electricity jazz. Are you guys crazy? 
I got 60 blocks without any power on Christmas Eve in 1988. How the hell are they going to listen to Cliff Richards' mistletoe and wine? <laughs> they must be pissing in their pants now their lights are slightly dimmer and they can't charge their toilets. <laughs> Hans's voice talkies from their walkies. I wish to talk to the FBI. His wish comes true. Yeah. This is Special Agent Johnson of the Federal BI. <laughs> Helicopters are en route as you requested. And we released all those people you said. I'm lying as a trick. Let's get our guns and shoot them from the helicopter. I hear you. We'll be ready. By the time he figures out we shot him, he'll be dead. <laughs> they leave to go get their helicopters. When they touch down, we'll blow the roof. They'll spend a month sitting through the rubble, and by the time they figure out what went wrong, we'll be sitting on a beach earning 20% of the 100% of the money we stole. <laughs> it will be blissful island life. Theo can set up a rudimentary bamboo irrigation system <laughs> and try and open that mysterious hatch. <laughs> Klaus can open FedEx boxes that wash up on the shore. Fritz can be tied down by tiny people because he's into that sort of thing. And the rest of us can just sit back and listen to Desert Island Discs. Mine's Fleetwood Mac's rumors. Still in the bathroom, John finishes bandaging up his shredded foot. Pow, pow, you, you got a minute? I'm here, John. Listen, I'm starting to get a bad feeling up here. I want you to find my wife. She's heard me say I love you a thousand times. She never heard me say I'm sorry. Except when I apologized to the TV for spilling beer on it. <laughs> I want you to tell her that all, okay? You got that, man? Tell her that once faced with impending death at the hands of a terrorist, John said that he was sorry. <laughs> well, you know, if I don't die, don't tell her, because I might change my mind. Yeah, I got it, John. Just watch your ass and you'll make it out. I guess that's up to the man upstairs. Wait a minute. Upstairs. Man. John. John. <laughs> what were you doing being a man upstairs, Hans? Hans was, Hans was on the roof, and his men were looking for the detonators. What are detonators for? For doing something. Come on, John. Ah, oh, it's no use. I'm not getting anywhere. Maybe I should go to the roof and clear my head. Hold on, Al. I gotta go check on something. One minute, that's all I'm asking. I have no control over this situation, but all right. Back in Nakatomi Tower, Hans and the terror team hear the helicopters approaching. Hans is watching a battery-powered TV, a magic technology that existed in the 80s but has clearly been lost to time. Time to gather your flock, Miss Gennaro. For whom the bell tolls, Miss Gennaro. Tick, tock, girls, the clock. Get, just get on the, get the, up to the roof. Suddenly, the magic TV turns into a special report. In the true spirit of journalism, Thornburg is interrogating a 10-year-old girl. Your mom and your dad are very important people. They're very brave people. Is there something you'd like to say to them if they're watching? Take your time. Come home. <laughs> All right, that's it for me, Lucy McLean. Come see me in 2007's Live Free or Die Hard. Yeah, you, you don't have to. Uh... <laughs> Hans flips Holly's desk photo of her and John onto a... <laughs> he flips the photo of them on a log ride and he turns to Holly. Mrs. McLean, how nice to make your acquaintance. You didn't tell me you were on a log ride. 
On the roof, while trying to figure out the mystery of the detonators, John stumbles upon a massive bomb. Oh, John, you can be onto something here. What are you doing, John? You're finding a bomb, John. Ah, oh, listen to me, it's a double cross. These terrorists are a bunch of liars. The roof is wired too. Carl, dressed as a roof cactus, sneaks up behind McLean and throws him on the ground. We, we are both professionals. This is personal. You should have heard your brother squeal when I broke his fucking neck. Ah, uh, John, too far. <laughs> They fight and get punched in the head too many times. John nooses him with a chain and he gets constrangulated to death. John runs onto the roof and starts ushering the hostages back downstairs by gently firing at them with a machine gun. In the helicopter, high above the clouds, Johnson and Johnson are planning their assault. I figure we take out the terrorists, lose 20 to 25% of the hostages tops, and, and, and 30% of their pants. I can live with that. No, we can't, because the roof explodes and they both die. As the roof explodes behind John, time slows down, giving him a moment to clear his head. Oh, John, what the fuck are you doing, John? You're tying a fire hose around your waist, John. Now you're jumping off the building, John. Oh, you're really in it now. You're sliding down the building, John. You smashed through the window there. It's three stories down, John. You made it, John. <laughs> He checks his gun. One bullet. He looks around the room for ideas and spots wrapping paper and tape. <laughs> Hang on, baby. Santa's coming. Christmas. <laughs> Downstairs, Hans frantically packs the vault's content uh, contents into duffel bags. After all your posturing, after all your little speeches, you're, you're nothing but a common thief. I am an exceptional thief, Mrs. McLean. Like Thomas Crown, or the Fast Five, or the Furious Seven, or those Mini Coopers in the Italian job. I'm like the Ocean's Eleven, but I'm, I'm one man. I'm like, Danny Ocean, that's his name. Hands! McLean arrives, covered in the blood of his enemies. John, stay back. He's like a bunch of Mini Coopers. <laughs> Why'd you have to nuke the whole building, Hans? Well, when you steal $600, you can just disappear. But when you steal 600 million, they will find you unless they think you went kablamo. They'll all think it's a very precisely organized heist that ended with us going up to the top of the roof and blowing ourselves up with our own bombs. For some reason, it's a perfect plan. You win, Hans. Steal the cowboy, Mr. McLean. Americans all alike. Yeah, I'm a cowboy and there's a snape in my boot. You'd have made a pretty good cowboy yourself, Hans. Oh, yes. What was it you said to me before? Uh, yippee, a kaye, a motherfucker. You know, I've had a chance to look up this American phrase. Its first reference was in the 1936 film Rhythm of the Rain, starring Bing Cosby. I believe the song goes, I'm an old cowhand of the Rio Grande, but my legs ain't bowed and my cheeks ain't tanned. Uh, yippee, kaye, yippee. <laughs> McLean rips off a gun taped to his own back, single-handedly shooting Hans. Happy trails, Hans. He probably doesn't mean that. He's probably just being facetious. <laughs> he falls out of the window and drags Holly with him, dangling from her butt-themed watch. John reaches down and opens the watch. McLean! 
falls in dramatic slow motion and is trampled by a herd of wildebeest. <laughs> Later outside, firemen enter the building as sheets of flaming paper rain down on the survivors in a holly jolly way. John and Holly emerge from the building. He locks eyes with Al. They both stare into each other's souls and recognize their friend instinctively, but mostly because John saw Al in his car at the start. Al, this is my wife, Holly. Holly Gennaro. Holly McLean, I willingly give over my autonomy to you. Hello, Holly. You got yourself a good man. You take care of him. <laughs> McLean, McLean! <laughs> You got some things to answer for, mister. Ellis's murder, for one thing. Property damage and interfering with police business. Suddenly, a still-alive and not at all strangled Carl emerges from a nearby body bag. Good thing he kept mentioning his strong neck, or this would make no sense at all. He brandishes a fully loaded machine gun at McLean, which I guess the emergency workers must have put in the body bag with him. Because it was also dead. Carl is shot by a mysterious gunman. Everyone turns to see in shock that it's Al brandishing his revolver. God, I hope that kid was over 18. <laughs> Thank God he's overcome his irrational fear of shooting people. <laughs> Thornburg, the reporter who broke into their home, approaches. Mr. McClain, now that it's all over after this incredible ordeal, what are your feelings? Holly punches him in the face, probably killing him. <laughs> Argyle pulls up in the limo. Your carriage waits, Mr. McClain. What's in the limo, John? What do you mean, what's with the limo? He sent it to pick me up from the airport. I, I, I didn't send anything to pick you up. But then, who sent the limo? <laughs> Merry Christmas, John. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Argyle. If this is their idea of Christmas, I gotta be here for New Year's. Boy, oh boy. You know, they say every time a cop shoots a kid, an angel gets his wings. Well, maybe the McLeans had an angel looking out for them. They sure went through a lot tonight. You might say that all the terrorism has only brought them closer together. Who do you think tipped off hands about the safe? Swink. John and Holly drive into the Christmas sunset as everyone's favorite Christmas begins, Christmas song <laughs> begins to play. <laughs> the end. Hello friends, this is Stephen from Dream Gun and we have shows on sale in Dublin and London right now. We are home in Dublin this June the 15th to the 17th with updated film reads of The Matrix, Jurassic Park and Titanic at Smock Alley Theatre. Featuring the award-winning ensemble of Tony Cantwell, Ronan Carey, Stephen Culver, that's me, Finbar Doyle, Hannah Mamelis, Aaron McGathy and Edwin Salmon. Uh, the show's at Smock Alley Theatre and tickets are on sale right now. Head to dreamgun.ie forward slash tickets.
Meanwhile in London, we are now performing every month at 21 Soho with a different film read every month and different guests joining us on the stage. This month's London film is Batman Begins, but if you're in the future, it's probably a different film and you can find out which one at dreamgun.ie forward slash tickets.